This morning, we welcome Lydia Haggard, our pastoral intern from Eastern Mennonite University, as our preacher, and we're so grateful for your ministry among us. May I offer a prayer for you, Lydia? Oh God, by the power of your spirit, bless Lydia this morning with the message from you that we need to hear and bless all of us with open hearts and open ears so that we might hear and respond to your word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you all for having me as this intern this semester. It's been a great learning opportunity and just a joy to share every Sunday with you and get to see maybe even more than what some of you get to see here at the church. Um, wow, this service has already been so rich, so rich in God's love. I was listening to all of these song lyrics this morning. I love uh, the last song that we sang. Just it's so interesting how we never get tired of singing about God's love. And yet we still struggle to really understand fully what it means. This parable that we heard this morning in Luke about the prodigal son reminds us all of God's overwhelming, never-ending, full to overflowing love. One might even call it foolish or reckless but we'll come back to that later. First, let's explore some of the context of the parable. So first, the passage introduces the context into which Jesus is speaking. He's talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. Actually, he's not. He's talking about how the tax collectors and the sinners are coming to Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes start grumbling, muttering to themselves that Jesus associates with these sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells this parable. But actually, the passage that we read skips seven verses, which include two shorter parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And I'm not going to talk about them here, but I encourage you when you go home later today, read those other parables and think about how they enrich the third parable about the lost son and help us to understand more about God's love. Or maybe they actually give us more questions about God's love. So many of us are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son. It's a beloved parable that never seems to get old. Some Bible versions have the subtitle of this parable as actually the lost son, following the lost sheep and the lost coin, and some even call it the parable of the prodigal father. Dana mentioned that it could be called the parable of the loving father, focusing on the father rather than 
the wayward son. So even though I've heard this story so many times growing up, I had to go back and look up what the word prodigal really means. I assumed that it meant runaway or a disobedient, just like the younger son was. But I was surprised to learn that prodigal actually can be defined as recklessly extravagant or extravagantly wasteful. Thinking about this, that makes sense. The younger son takes all his possessions, he squanders his property. He is certainly foolish in the way that he wastes his money and the resources that were supposed to continue to last him for his lifetime. But then I heard that maybe the father could be described as prodigal. Was the father recklessly extravagant? Maybe so. Which begs the question, is God's love prodigal? Is God's love recklessly extravagant? This question reminds me of a similar conversation I had with some friends about the contemporary Christian song some of you might know, Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. My friends and I were debating about what it means if God's love is reckless. Was this an appropriate word to use? I'm going to read the lyrics of the chorus, and I want you to listen and think about, is this an appropriate use of describing God's love? The chorus goes like this. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. So is reckless an appropriate word to use? Reckless to me sort of sounds like lacking purpose or maybe is disinterested. I usually think of reckless with a negative connotation, like doing something risky. But love is risky, isn't it? You open yourself to being vulnerable and potentially hurt when you admit that you love someone. But God chooses to love despite the pain. As we're in this season of Lent, we approach Good Friday. We remember that Jesus suffered and died on our account to show how much he really loved us. Jesus chose to love despite the pain. So maybe we can say that God's love is reckless. What does the parable tell us about the foolishness, the foolish nature of God's love? If we now assume that the Father represents God, we can look at how the Father responds to the two sons, both of them, 
with prodigal love. First, we see how the father responds to the younger son when he returns. As the younger son is approaching the house, the father, filled with compassion, maybe his eyes are brimming with tears, overwhelmed by the joy of seeing his son. He runs and puts his arms around his son and kisses him. In the Jewish context, running as a man was seen as undignified. But the father disregards the social norms in order to embrace his lost son. I imagine a full-size body hug, maybe picking up the son and spinning him around in complete joy and happiness. And when he kisses his son, he is telling him that he forgives him. The son is forgiven, even before the son says anything. The son begins to confess, but his father cuts him off and calls the servants. He says, bring the best robe. Imagine putting on a fancy dress or a tuxedo after you've been working outside all day without showering. The son has been traveling, walking for miles from a far off country. He came from a pig pen literally, and had been working and walking for miles. The dirty, smelly, unclean son. Why doesn't the father tell the servants to prepare a bath for him? <laughs> Instead, the father gets a robe to put on top of the son's grunginess. He calls for a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, these are also just extra accessories. The purpose is to restore him back as his son. It's a public showing that others may know that he is welcomed back. It can be hard for us in our context to understand how ridiculous all of this really is. By human standards, of morally what is right and wrong, the son does not deserve half of this extravagant welcome. Remember, this son who takes the inheritance from his father, this was what he was supposed to get after his father died. He disrespects his father in one of the worst ways by essentially saying he doesn't care whether his father is alive or dead. Then he goes off to a distant country, the forbidden Gentile land. And if that isn't bad enough, he ends up the lowliest of the low, with the unclean, the Jewish abomination, pigs. Despite all this, the father still rejoices over his son returning home, even in his smelliness. And why? Because the father says, This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father shows extravagant love simply because the son has come home. The father throws a party. 
He kills the fatted calf, which is for special occasions, a special feast. He says, let us eat and celebrate. And they did celebrate. Jesus could have ended the story there, this ending in feasting and celebration. But Jesus takes it even further. The older son comes into the story, tired after a long day, working outside. He hears music from the house, and he asks his servants, what's all the celebration about? When he finds out that it's for his youngest brother, he gets angry, and he stubbornly refuses to enter the house. So, out comes the father, Again, we see the reckless extravagance of the father's love. The father is willing to leave his celebration, go outside to meet his older son. Verse 28 says that he came out and pleaded with him, begging him, wanting him to come celebrate with all the rest of them. But the older son still refuses and says in his anger, this is not fair. He's disrespectful of his father as well. He doesn't call him father like the younger son does, but he says, listen. How dare he speak to his father like that? And yet the father in his unending love responds gently not with anger. My son, you are always with me. He affirms, all that is mine is yours. The older son could have taken a goat and had a party with his friends any time he wanted to. But the father says, today, we had to celebrate and rejoice. Why? Because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. The father is less concerned about the younger son gaining respect, gaining his love. It's not about merit. It's about focusing on expressing this overwhelming love. So at this point, the Pharisees and the scribes who Jesus is responding to are probably somewhere between irritated and enraged. They know that Jesus associates them with the older son and is criticizing them for not being able to love extravagantly. But Jesus leaves this parable open-ended the listeners have a choice now to accept the invitation or to reject it. Like the older son, you can celebrate with the sinners or you can refuse to join the feast. You can accept that God's love is recklessly extravagant or you can choose to believe that doing what is right will earn God's favor. This invitation still stands for all of us today and every day. 
God invites us to embrace God's crazy love. No matter what we have done or not done, how we have dishonored God or tried to earn God's love, God rejoices whenever we turn back to God. Maybe you identify more with the younger son, maybe as one who has run away, done things that you regret, wasted your time or resources, or harmed relationships. Maybe you identify more as the older son, the one who tries to earn God's love and is so focused on doing the right thing that righteousness becomes more important than celebrating restoration. No matter what you have done, rest assured that God's love is all-encompassing. You can never be out of reach of the Father's arms. God will welcome you back, throwing a feast for you, despite what you think you deserve. When I think of this, I think God's love must be reckless. Please pray with me. Loving God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the promise that you love and accept us as we are when we return to you. Help us to see your loving arms open to embrace us, saying, welcome home. Help us to extend this crazy love to others around us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Mennonite Church podcast. Our theme music is a setting of John Wesley's text, Jesus, I Believe You're Near, composed by Matt Carlson. Jeremy Nafziger arranged it for strings. To learn more about our congregation or to plan a visit, please check out our website at cmcva.org.